Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hey everyone, Happy New Year, welcome to 2020 and a new decade. I'm your host, Mariana Monks. On today's show, we're starting the year off with a bang. We're talking stereotypes of New York. Some may think of it as a controversial subject, but it's a topic about New York City that I feel must be discussed to shed light on that elephant in the room. Many of us have heard them, whether we live here or not, are transplant into the city from somewhere else, or a native New Yorker. And here to help me pull back the curtain on this topic is my special guest, Jacqueline Bernstein, who's a native New Yorker and president of her own company here in the city. I'm excited to dive into all this with her. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you? Thanks so much for being on the show today. Well, really honored to be here and be on your show. And when I heard the pause, I was going to jump in anyway, as a typical New Yorker would. But I figured I was trying to be respectful, which is what also typical New Yorkers are. So we worked that out there. Yes, we definitely worked it out, Jacqueline. I have a great feeling about today's show. It's going to be amazing. So in the intro, I mentioned that you're a native New Yorker. I'd love to dive into your story, your NYC story, and learn more specifics on what borough you're from and all that good stuff. Well, here's what's funny when you said you know that I'm a native because I can be somewhere in New York City or I could be traveling around the country and the world and people will say to me, where are you from? And my answer is, really? Have you not heard me? Have you not looked at me? Have you not watched my hands moving while I'm talking that you actually have to ask me where I'm from? Uh-huh, so of course I'm right? from New York. But as far as the borough I'm from, okay, I am from the borough. I am from Brooklyn. And I mean real Brooklyn, not the Brooklyn that everyone thinks is all cool and hipster right now, which is very close to coming right outside of Manhattan. I like to say I'm from Brooklyn towards Europe, mm, okay. way out in Brooklyn, born in Flatbush, and then uh, moved to the last block of Midwood when I was 11, and then raised right off Kings Highway towards Sheepshead Bay, Coney Island, Brighton Beach. Um, so people that really didn't speak English a lot, a lot of uh, Hebrew and Russian and very Brooklyn Italian and very eclectic and Again, true, real Brooklyn way out. Wow. Okay. You're not joking. So that's like middle of Brooklyn and further down Brooklyn. It's definitely not the mainstream areas we all think of when we're thinking of Brooklyn, like Dumbo and Williamsburg and all that stuff. That's exactly it. Because as much as those places are cool and everyone's going to visit now, and I'm glad that people are hopping over a bridge or a tunnel Mm -hmm. into Brooklyn, as far as we're concerned from growing up, that's not necessarily Brooklyn to us. And what we always get is, well, now that Brooklyn's cool, are you going to move back there? Really? And I already told you I might curse because my answer to that always is, are you fucking kidding me? And I mean that for those of you that get offended by cursing, but that is such a New York phrase, that Brooklyn was always cool. So it has nothing to do with you hearing about Mm -hmm. Williamsburg being so hipster and fun places to go Um, eat and drink that Brooklyn's always been cool but again different areas of it and being way out in Brooklyn where it hasn't been gentrified yet because it's just really true blood Brooklyn I love it I absolutely love it you say (laughs) it like it is Jacqueline so you mentioned you moved are you in a different borough now I am 
And that doesn't mean that I don't have my love for Brooklyn because when people ask where you're from, Brooklyn is usually, it depends if I'm traveling abroad, I'll say New York. But if I'm somewhere like in the East Coast, I might even before say New York, say Brooklyn, because they'll know where it is, obviously. But I now do live in Manhattan because when growing up in Brooklyn, as much as we love Brooklyn and we're so excited about it, that you always aspire to live in Manhattan. And it is, as we feel, as much as New York is the center of the universe, Manhattan's where it's at. And I have my business here. So I live in Manhattan now. Wow. The dream is Manhattan for most, and you're definitely living it. How amazing. What specific neighborhood in the city are you in? So here's what's funny about my neighborhood, because some would say that I'm in Chelsea, but because I'm north of 23rd Street, Chelsea Heights, but I'm on the very east side of Chelsea, which borders Flatiron. Mm -hmm. So you could say that I'm in Chelsea East, but then Flatiron, I'm Flatiron West, but I'm down the block from Madison Square Park. So Madison Square Park now is called, the area north of that is Nomad. You lost me. So I could be called south of Mad, south of Madison Square Park. Excuse me, not south, west of Madison Square Park. So it's like a Chelsea Flatiron Madison Square Park. Wow. Right off 6th Avenue conglomerate there. Oh my God, Jacqueline, you lost <laughs> me and anyone who's not from New York right now. But I love it because seriously, that's what a true New Yorker is, you know, are your areas. Of course. And knowing what side of the street that you're on, you know, we're very big on, and I know we're going to chat about this potentially a little bit later about, you know, there's not necessarily North or South, but it's uptown and downtown. Although some might say uptown downtown is a direction and not necessarily an area, but you know, I'm, I happen to be on the north side of the street. And when people say, how do you know it's north? Well, the numbers get higher as you go north and numbers get lower as you go south. So it's you know pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, kind of. You know, I definitely got it. I, I know where I'm going now. So um, I'd love to transition over, Jacqueline, and ask, what has your overall experience been growing up in New York, especially as a native? So I, I, I love talking about this because I, I grew up in um, Flatbush. I grew up in a walk-up apartment on Ocean Avenue between Albemarle and Beverly Roads, if anyone knows about that, and that area is getting regentrified. Mm-hmm. And it was just a very eclectic neighborhood where there were a lot of regular Jews that walk a couple of blocks in a very Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Um, I'll be honest, there was no black or white or any religions or races. Everyone was just friends with each other. Um, Love that. So it was just exciting growing up like that in Flatbush. And then when I moved to Midwood, and I'm I'm very proud about saying this, um, I grew up on welfare and food stamps with my mom who was single and I'm an only child. Wow. And then I went from a one-bedroom apartment and a walk-up with both my parents to no, a two-bedroom apartment to walk up with both my parents to a one-bedroom apartment in a pre-war building that I shared with my mom. Across the street, my friend had a private house, you know, with four stories and okay. a pool in the backyard. And here I am across the street, you know, in this apartment building built before 1930, sharing a bedroom with my mom. And I think that's the juxtaposition about being in Brooklyn, because then a couple of blocks away, there were very rich mansions that the Syrian Jews lived in that still live in. Got it. And then there were signs written in Hebrew and then in Russian. And then you'd find the very Yovini kind of Italian. <laughs> I always refer back to like the characters you'd see in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Um, so that was everywhere. And then you'd find people that only spoke Russian. And then my mom, the only way she could communicate with them was by speaking Yiddish because they didn't speak English and she didn't speak Russian. And we were all Jews living in the same neighborhood together. So it truly was very interesting um, 
how every race, religion, and even economical, um, you know, stature live together in that neighborhood. Yeah, that is the absolute beauty of living in this melting pot called New York City. Yes. And as a typical New Yorker, just to give you a little um, further in, in depth and knowing about me, I I don't drive. Really? And my that's because my parents didn't drive. My parents' siblings didn't drive. My cousins didn't drive. Okay. Uh, we didn't learn how to drive. No one could afford to have a car. So even though I took driver's ed, I wasn't able to practice driving because we didn't have a car. So to this day, I am one of those rare few people that I am a businesswoman. I own a company. I do travel, but I still don't drive. And who wants to drive? I get to, I don't want to have to not be able to have a cocktail. So a typical New Yorker doesn't drive. Whereas across the street from me, again, my friend in that house, they had a couple of cars in their garage. So just, just interesting how we grew up together very differently, but we still have those same roots in, in deep Brooklyn. Wow, Jacqueline, thanks so much for sharing all those details about your upbringing. That's so interesting how we grow up in the, you know, same borough neighborhoods, but we're all like going through our own things. And whatever it is you went through, you have brought it to the amazing person you are today, being president of a company. And the driving thing, that was hilarious. It's usually a secret. So I usually tell people that uh, like as a joke in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's and I'm proud of it. And I, I find it when I meet people, especially someone like yourself who was not born in New York, and you meet people that even just live in Long Island or New Jersey or Westchester, mm-hmm. they do not understand the concept of not driving. So I'm sure if anyone is listening to this podcast from middle America, they truly can understand that. But trust us, you, you don't want or need a car here. Um, and you could always get around. Definitely don't need a car here in New York. We were using car service before Uber became Uber. You would just call a local number. Mm-hmm. There was a company called Always Available, 449-1111. <laughs> and literally 24 hours a day, some guy would show up in a car, nice. probably smelled like cigarettes. You're not really sure if that car could go more than like 20 blocks radius. And that's oh how gosh. we moved around if we weren't taking public transportation. Can I just share that one of the things I aspire to do is to never drive again. This is why I'm in New York instead of <laughs> Carmageddon, Southern California. You are literally living the dream here in the city, Jacqueline. So what is your main means of getting around? Okay. And I walk everywhere. And as a true New Yorker, I walk everywhere in my high heels. I'm not one of Wait, those girls what? that like has my outfit and has my heels on and then I switch to sneakers or flip-flops. No way. You get dressed in the morning and this is how you're going to go. Wow. And I love being able to walk down a street I'd never walked down before. Mm -hmm. So walking everywhere is the thing. 20 blocks is a mile. So that's not uncommon for New Yorkers to do that. And then next to that, is taking the subway. Okay. And I'm one of those New Yorkers that when you get on the train, I know which car to be in. So it lets out by which staircase I need to go up and which corner of the street. Incredible. And if I screw that up, um, it's almost like a little test for myself. Oh, I missed that. Mm-hmm. So riding the subway is truly one of the quickest ways to get around. So it is the thing to do here. And the experiences that you have in the subway and the people that you meet and the things that you see are very Instagrammable. It's funny you say that because I did a podcast interview with at Subway Creatures and he essentially documents all the odd, crazy and funny things that go on within the New York subway. That is episode one, guys, navigating the New York subway. So be sure to check that out. 
and Jacqueline seriously taking on the streets of New York with heels on that is unheard of I can barely walk like a block or two with my heels on and I carry a tote with a spare pair of shoes inside of them what is it that you're doing or wearing that you're able to do this I wear a lot of platforms so your feet are comfy in the front Ah. and I think the thing is for those of you that aren't from New York when you put on your shoes you're in your house you get into your car you drive somewhere and then you're at your event and then you do the reverse. For us, we have to schlep. We have to get somewhere. So we're just used to moving around a lot and wearing the shoes potentially longer than others would be doing that. So that's why it works for us. Okay. Also, you just train your feet. That's the outfit. You never know you're going to see in New York City. You should always be prepared, dressed up that I might meet the love of my life while I'm walking on the street or something like exactly. that. Exactly. I just recently met a guy on the train that we're now communicating with just because we met on the subway platform and we hit it off. Nice. I love it. Oh my gosh, Jacqueline, you are seriously a dream. You're giving us so much and we haven't even gotten into the stereotypes of New York. Okay. But the next question related to New York and your story, what do you love most and dislike about New York? Wow. Okay. I love everything about New York because, well, obviously this is my home and I've been born here. And what's interesting is that I've heard people say, my business partner actually says that, that He's more of a New Yorker than I am because he chose to move here and make this his home Interesting. as opposed to me that I lived here. Where else was I going to go? And of course, yeah, I live here. Where else was I going to go? And I can't imagine going anywhere else. So what I love about New York is the fact that there is all those things that people stereotype about New York is what I love about New York, mm-hmm. that the 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 size and, and the, the craziness and people always moving fast and whether it's dirty or it is a concrete jungle, there's a lot of beauty. I think the skyline here is just as beautiful as looking at the Grand Canyon in a different way. So that's what I love about it. Um, What I hate, and I guess I'm actually going to put this on myself, is that there are times, and it just happened to me this week, where someone will say, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't know. Where should we go? It's not because there's a lack of places to go. Is that there's so much to experience and go to. Yes. That sometimes, and I am not a person who gets overwhelmed very easily at all, but I'm overwhelmed by, oh my God, I have so much on this block I want to experience. What should we do first? Yeah. So I think that's when I say hate it, it's kind of my love hate that there is so much to do. I want to make sure I'm experiencing something new all the time. And I'm giving myself a hard time, especially for what I do in a profession. For those of you who don't know, maybe you don't know, I own a corporate event production company. Mm -hmm. So I work with corporations innovating their live event experiences. And we're based here in New York City. And I'm, I'm honored that I have this opportunity to have a company in New York City, again, based on how I grew up and um, worked at the company when I graduated college and then bought it a couple of years later. And because of what I do professionally, I want to make sure that I'm experiencing things all the time personally so that I can bring that into our team and our company to do for our clients professionally. No, yeah, 100%. It's like experiential research for pleasure and for work. So that's amazing and completely agree with the sensory overload. I mean, I get that. I'm sure a lot of other people get that and it feels kind of nice to hear it from a native New Yorker that, you know, it's not just an us problem, but it's a New York problem. There's so many options. It does happen. Um, It's funny. We'll sometimes be on the phone and a client will say, and this is a client or anyone we're on the phone with that's somewhere very far from New York. What's going on there? Is everything okay? Yeah. What? What what do you mean? Well, I hear that in the background. Oh, the fire engines. We don't even hear them sometimes anymore. Right. Um, People wonder what it's like to sleep here late at night when you hear engines and people screaming on the street. And I actually found 
when I went to sleepaway camp when I was nine years old that I couldn't sleep because it was too quiet. Yeah. So I'm so used to that. The sensory overload is sometimes we just need that sensory. We like having the people around us. Yes, definitely know what you're talking about. So I am curious, Jacqueline, I'd love to hear your perspective regarding the evolution of New York. I mean, has it changed a lot throughout the years? It has changed. And I think it changes sometimes even daily, weekly or monthly. Um, It's cleaned up. I mean, obviously, Times Square has is not as gritty as it used to be and there are some that joke about it and say we wish it was like that but it's great Mm -hmm. that you're able to have a family atmosphere although some might say it's too commercialized and they avoid Times Square I get a kick when I walk through there and I don't avoid walking through there because again I get to see all those people that are visiting that are looking up their mouths and eyes wide open and I'm thinking I'm so fortunate to be able to live here right um I'm not approved by any stretch but I do find it odd that And I know Robert Burke, who's the naked cowboy, but I find it interesting that now we have the naked cowgirls. And I think that, um, you know, as much as it's not illegal to be topless here in New York, I don't think that's a place for you to have your breasts painted to be in Times Square when there's a lot of families there. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a time and a place for everything. Um, I believe, though, that I don't know why I'm focused on Times Square, that that should be more of an experiential and not just about big retail big box business. So I think that's around all of New York City that there is something to be said about just look what happens during the holiday season, Black Friday and then shop small on Saturday. That I think that's the that's the combination what makes New York exciting. It's one thing that you know you can always go to a certain store and find what's there that you know that's there and it exists, but it's much more funner if that's a word to be able to walk down the street and find a store you didn't know about before and walk in and talk to the shopkeeper and buy something. Agreed. And um, that's that's what I think is what's changed over the years that there's been some of the major brands that are here, but also there's been a resurgence of bringing back just small retail. Yeah. Um, every time you look around, there's um, some new. I wouldn't even call them necessarily, but a museum, but an experience or a pop up or something to to go to Mm -hmm. and i love that there are some true staples of places to dine again being a brooklynite going to peter luger's the steakhouse under the williamsburg bridge i mean i could just walk in never have to worry about getting a reservation there nice so i love the institutions as well as much as i love hearing about the new restaurant that opened up and checking it out yes and you should always sit at a bar don't always go sit at a table. Sitting at a table is like a commitment for a meal. Sit at a bar. You never know you're going to meet. I, I have a lot of great bartender uh, friends in my life because of that. Wow. We should definitely have a drink, Jacqueline. I love yeah. your style. You are seriously like my spirit person. I am. I'm everyone's. You you are literally everyone's. <laughs> On that note, though, what I'd like to know, lastly, regarding this section of your New York story is what advice would you have for someone who is new to the city? You know, it's interesting. Obviously, this podcast is something that they would listen to or yes, others listen. they would listen to or read about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you... someone who's coming to New York needs to gather as much information from people that they know that have visited here or that live here or family relatives have been here, people that work here, but then you have to make your own decisions about Mm -hmm. it. You know, when people say this is where you should live or this is where you should eat. Absolutely not. Um, I, I love that when people come to visit New York, this is going to sound crazy. And especially again, being in our business, they'll say, where should we go eat? I said, where should we go eat again? How the fuck should I know where we should go eat? (laughs) Where do you want to go? Well, how would I know? I'm not from New York. Well, what have you seen on TV that you liked? What have you read about in Flight Magazine? Do you watch the Food Network and follow a certain 
um, chef? Are there neighborhoods where you go to that you like at home that I could figure out where to go here? What did you see in a movie that you really liked? I constantly okay. ask a lot of questions to be able to find what someone that's new to New York might be interested in. So then I can help curate and orchestrate an experience just for them. So yes, there are a lot of great, I hate to use the word touristy, there are landmarks, there are established places that you must go visit in New York. Um, but then there are places that become also part of your visit to New York as someone that's new that might not be someone else's experience just because that might be something that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going out to Queens and going to the neighborhoods that are out there, as much as Brooklyn is the fourth largest city in America outside of being the largest city in America, if it was a lar if it was its own city and it has the largest um, places of worship than anywhere in the country, I hope no one fact checks me. That's what I know. And that's what I'm going with it. That's a New York attitude. Mm -hmm. But in Queens, you have more nationalities in Queens than I think anywhere else in the country, as well as different food. So going out to Queens and dining in these hole-in-the-wall establishments, that's what's going to make that New York experience for you. And I, I love doing that. Right. Sometimes much more than just going to a place that everyone else is going to. Yes, 100% um, so you, agreed. Just You really need to try to figure it out on your own. And New York is very easy to do that. It's easily walkable and it's easily uh, accessible by public transportation. And that's what I would suggest any New Yorker to do. Definitely. Everyone should go off the beaten path and not just do the touristy things. It's all about just exploring and finding new places and those holes in the walls. That is where you're going to find like the magic of New York and real New York. And it coming from you is even that much more like eye-opening, right? Yes. Everyone should try that at least once or as often as possible when they're in the city or living in the city. I had another question and it's, does it ever get old? Does New York ever cease to not have something for you to do? You know, I was alluding to that before when a friend of mine was trying to think of a place to go. There are, there have been times where I'll get up on a Saturday and say, oh, what should I do today? Mm -hmm. And my thinking is that shouldn't be a negative. That should be a positive and almost shame on me for growing up in a place like this, that there are still places that I have not experienced or a place I don't know about that I should go experience. So um, I think anyone, no matter where you live, you sometimes get tied to your neighborhood or tied to your routine, yeah. which is why I'm very fortunate in my profession. Um, I also sit on the board of directors of NYC and Company, which is the Convention of Visitors Bureau, and it's the official marketing agency of the city of New York. Um, oh, wow. And again, that's comes from me working in my business professionally, but as much as I ha afforded great opportunities to go do things because of my involvement with the city and our work, mm -hmm. I also feel that even when I read their newsletters, I learn something new. So my thinking is there, sh there should never be a question of feeling that, oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do or there's not enough for me to do because you could feasibly just walk around New York City and just experience something at all times. And it might not even be going physically into a store or a restaurant or an attraction, et cetera. It might just be what you see on the streets. The people watching in New York exactly. City, if you don't have a lot of financial investment, just grab something to eat or drink. Um, I'm not condoning an open container because you can't do that here. Mm -hmm. And sit on a park bench or just sit on, you know, by a bus stop and just watch what goes by. And it is truly outrageous. That's why when the summer months come and they have bars that are outside, that is the best place to go because that's combining everything we as New Yorkers love. We get to be outside because we're cooped up a lot in the winter. Right. We're the kind of New Yorkers that will sit at a restaurant outside, even though there's garbage on the street, 
I don't mean like garbage strewn out, like plastic bags of garbage ready to be picked up, but we find that to be our oasis because then we get to look and see the people passing by. So being able to be outside is what to experience. So I should never be bored. So there's no lack of anything here. Perfectly said, Jacqueline. I would love to now transition into what you do for work and that is being president of your own company here in the city called Access. Hey everyone, Gossip Mista here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I wanted to hop in here to let you know what you can expect regarding the format, which started with Jacqueline's NYC story. We'll now dive into her business, which is all about fun experiences in the city. She gives so many insider tips, so be sure to stick around for that. And lastly, we'll dive into 10 stereotypes of New York and ask some bonus questions. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show with Jacqueline to learn more about her business. So can you tell us more about your company, Jacqueline, and how you're involved with the city? Yes. So my company is Access New York Metro, since we are part of a larger brand of Access event companies, which were actually called Destination Magic Companies, but for the layperson event companies that are throughout the country. And myself and my business partner bought into this brand uh, five years ago. So we operate now as Access New York Metro. And mm-hmm. we service the New York City and New York State, New Jersey, and Connecticut area. And there are other companies around the country. How I got into this business was, um, well, I'm an actual leader and organizer of fun experiences. So definitely made sense that I would get into this profession. I was president in of my class in high school, very active in student activities. Um, and then when I went to college, I was president of my class all four years. I went to the University of Albany, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to get into this business. I thought I wanted to be a corporate party planner. So I researched the industry and uh We could do a whole nother podcast about building a business in New York City, but I worked at this company fresh out of college and then bought it years ago with my business partner and have a fabulous team who have been with us through many different situations that have happened here in New York City, Um, uh, September 11th, the downturn of the economy. And, um, you know, it's it's tough to have a business here in New York and I'm sure and being a true survivor. I think people might just say that just physically living in New York. I'm, I'm not saying because of that stereotype, you think it's dangerous, but there is a lot to do here in New York. There's a lot going on. And, you know, your dry cleaner in New York here is different than it might just be a, across the river in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. um, that's what it's like building a business in New York and being so entrenched um, and involved with groups and events and corporations and especially people that are coming into New York. That's how my role got to be. Uh, that's how I got my role on the NYC and company uh, marketing agency of the city of New York and to represent the sector of okay. corporate events, et cetera, and uh, meetings and events and incentives. So I truly love it. It's, it's my passion of who I am as a person that I get to combine the city that I love with the profession that I love and just personally being who I am as a New Yorker. I can see how perfectly this career fits into who you are as a person and it's ideal because it also involves the love of your city New York yes and and it ties into the question though that you asked before like do I ever feel there's anything lacking or not to do yeah there are times when we're on the phone with a client or I could be on the phone with friends that are coming to visit and they're asking what to do and it could be 
like a trying question because, as I mentioned, we have to ask a lot of questions to be able to curate it just for you. It's not like you're in the middle of America, and I'm not trying to make fun of those people in the middle of America, but maybe I am. And you know, there's like two steakhouses in your whole town, and those are the places to go to. <laughs> in New York, there are so many, and there are different types based on what they are. I don't know why I keep focusing on steak. You know, or like a rooftop bar. There could be in some cities – there's just one building that's 30 stories high, whereas we have so many of those, you know, we have incredible rooftops. So again, trying, we ask so many questions, which is typical of a New Yorker in order to be able to give you an answer. Um, I'm, I'm opinionated, but some might say I have to, I have to, I, I make my opinion based on who I'm talking to and what I could suggest to them. I guess that's being the true service industry that we're in. And, and come on, New York City, we're known for being in the service industry, right? Yeah. I'm constantly wanting to tell people where to go and what to do. <laughs> um, so let's get more specific into the, the services that your company offers and maybe some of the events you've done. Can, can you touch on that? Sure. So our company works with corporations or intermediary production agencies or uh, et cetera that are looking to bring corporations that are that are either not based here or that are already based here for their live event experience. It could be for a very staid meeting. Mm -hmm. um, it could be for a convention that's over at the Javits Center. It could be for a big conference. It could also just be for a one-off event, like a holiday event, let's say, or let's celebrate your executives and let's take a trip to New York and stay at a fine hotel fine. or even a more boutique hotel and, and, and save the investment for doing experiences around New York City. So we're doing all the programming from the moment that we meet and greet them at the airport with our staff, not our staff, staff, the staff that we hire, and okay. me, uh, picking them up in transportation, checking them into the hotels, having events for them, whether it be at the hotel or off property, um, food and beverage experiences, whether it be public dining or private events, buying restaurants out or venues out, finding eclectic venues that might be a store or um, something that's hidden or a park that we might take over, doing all the decor, doing all the entertainment, doing all the technical production, um, bringing in those elements that are indigenous to New York and truly curating an entire experience while these guests are in New York, whether they're here for a serious business meeting or an incentive or just some business entertaining mm -hmm. and just giving them something that maybe they would not be able to attain on their own. Anyone could see a Broadway show if you have enough money for a ticket or stand on the TKTS line. Um, but meeting the members of the cast after the show at a private reception wow. and singing along with those members of the cast at a piano. That might not be something you could do on your own. It's one thing to go to Ellis Island. We're excited. We are, we're a preferred event production company there uh, with the tourists during the day. But it's also exciting to do a private event there with a private fire. Well, not a private fireworks show. If you do a fireworks show at Ellis Island, the rest of the city is going to see it. But where it's, it's specifically produced just for you, just for the clients and their guests in mind. That's where mm -hmm. we come in. And that's the excitement. And being able to close a street or you see a lot of activations and parks and uh, different places in the city. and handing out uh, branded merchandise, whatever it may be for, to the public. We get involved with doing not only B2B events, business to business, but also business to consumer events. And that's exciting too. That, that's, that's really when you get to be with the people. Jacqueline, it seems like you have the connection and the key to the city of New York and everything. That is so much fun. So would you say most of the events you um, produce and coordinate are in New York, I know they're in North America. Would you say New York is more so where you're creating? We, we've actually produced events throughout the country and the world. We've been very fortunate to work throughout Mexico and the Caribbean, some in Europe, okay, um, et cetera. 
and throughout the country as well. Um, but because we are part of this access brand that works throughout the country, our focus now is truly being back here at home in New York. And again, there is so much to offer here. Mm -hmm. um, every time that we speak with a client, we can speak with a client now and 20 minutes from now and the venues that they're looking for, because every event has to happen. So whether it be outside with no walls or inside a place with four walls, it could just be so varied based on what their needs are. So our focus is New York City and the New York metropolitan area. And then okay. what we love working with those people that are visiting New York. That's what's just so exciting for us. I love when we meet a client that said, yep, coming to New York for the first time or haven't been here since I was 12. I get a real big kick out of that. I like to actually sort of borderline make fun of them, <laughs> but asking them again, where, what they experience, what their experiences have been or what they think their experiences could be so we can make that come alive for them. Fun. And so I want to um, just ask more specifics for anyone who's listening who has a company or, you know, wants to coordinate an event. Um, is there, since you work with corporations, would you say anywhere from 100 to 500 to 1,000 or do you work with startups as well? Anything, any of those sizes that you've just mentioned, we've worked on. So we've sometimes have had groups as small as 10 executives that we're working with mm -hmm. um, or could you know, could be experience of one or two, but we've worked up, you know, into the thousands as well. Um, obviously, as a New Yorker, well, as a business person, a New Yorker, you know, the money's in the volume, so bring it on. Mm -hmm. But also in New York City, what's interesting is, you know, the island is just under 14 miles long, the island of Manhattan, that is. Very true. And it's two and a half miles wide at its widest point of 14th Street, which mm -hmm. is when Greenwich Village starts. Um, uh, but what's interesting about that is that there's only so many places you could put large amounts of people. So, you know, we might not be getting the size of the groups that they might get somewhere like at Disney, um, for, for instance, but which, which I joke around, it's a Mickey Mouse operation down there anyway. <laughs> for sure. So, um, but here in New York, we might get more intimate sizes of the corporate groups out of here, but their investment will potentially be higher because of New York City, you know, right. what you have to invest to be able to wine and dine here in New York City. So that's also exciting. Sometimes it's not only, about, it's not about 500 people on an event, it might be 50 people on an event. And sometimes the investment of money could be around the same as well. So we're good. We're just welcome and happy to do business. That That is a New York attitude. We are just happy to service you. And as a business owner, just bring it on. We can always find some interesting, exciting experience to come your way. Love it. And you know, it's funny when we talk about whining and dining, a New York dining experience doesn't have to be some of the top restaurants, you know, such as a La Berna Den, uh, which I happen to love. And I have a crush on Eric Repair, if anyone wants to tell him, which he knows. <laughs> I've told him that before. But it might also be going and ordering from the deli counter at Katz's Delicatessen down the Lower East Side. Right. Those could not be any two farther extremes from New York. But if you're a true New Yorker or someone that's visiting, I would suggest that those two need to be on your bucket list or hit list of what you're going to dine in. Let's not say bucket list. We don't want to go to the negative, right? Just something that you need to do. And, and again, trying to do different things over and over again. So figure out what you've done in the last time you were here and what you could do the new time you come here. I try to do that for myself personally. Why wouldn't I want to do that? People that are visiting. Wow. Great tips. Oh my gosh. Seriously. I can't stop saying this. You are the it person, Jacqueline. <laughs> I loved what you just shared. Okay. So I just want to make sure, did we touch upon everything regarding your business? Any final things you'd like to say? Because it's such a fun and interesting business. Please do. 
Well, I'm honored to hear you say I'm like the it person. I have the key to the city. And, of course. And I, I built my career on that. And I, I have to credit it to, I mean, I, I have the personality that I'll put myself out there that will talk to anyone. I, I am not a salesperson. I feel I'm just someone that's engaging. Definitely. So that people want to work with our company. But I could not do it without my team. Um, and some of them are from the New York area and some of them come as far as from Russia who wanted to make their lives here nice. in, in New York and, and w- walks the streets like a typical visitor to New York should. I mean that in a positive way. Um, <laughs> what's, what's great is that there's a lot of logistics in the work that we do. It might be fun. Oh, well, you know, but we don't even use the word party in our profession, an event experience. Book a venue, you know, call up and find an entertainer. But there's so many logistics that go into mm-hmm. it, especially in New York City. Where are you going to park the truck that's loading in and out? How are you going to drop off a couple of hundred guests at a busy hotel midtown when all the people, the regular people are walking in the street? So that's where our work comes into play. And that's where we get excited by it. It's never when I say it's never a challenge, we want to be challenged. We want awesome. to be do- doing things we haven't done before. So I would love to look out to everyone there and say, bring it on. It's a, it's a, it's the roaring twenties. Mm-hmm. It's a new decade. It's a new time. I want to reimagine the work that we can do with our company as we all just get you know a little bit older each moment. And there's just so many experiences to do. And we have so much passion to do it here. I love that. Um, lastly, about you know the business owner, we find that when Clients come to us, I think they're expecting more from us because we're New Yorkers. They expect us to be more um, expeditious Mm. and they expect us to respond quickly and they expect us maybe to be sharper than potentially our counterparts in destinations that have palm trees. I I don't. (laughs) I don't, we have sun and fun here as well. And that's an okay thing. And I, I want to say, you know, challenge it. You're, I'm leading a team here. I'm the first among equals of the team here. Let's put it that way with our team. And you have a New Yorker right at the helm. So there's really nothing we can imagine and produce in what I like to think is the greatest city on earth, the world capital of excitement. Best city, definitely. And I want a business so that I can just have an experience with your company, Jacqueline. (laughs) I feel like you have the eye for talent and are the best leader to lead them. And I really loved everything you just mentioned about your business. And thanks for acknowledging those that you work with as well. You know, I've had some employees that are here a couple of months and I've had that I've known for many years. And I've had one employee just celebrate her 20th anniversary. And I just, again, New York is not an easy place to own a business. And I, I just have to thank them all the time for just what they do. Mm-hmm. And again, these most of these people are not necessarily those that came that were born in New York like myself, and they've really embraced it as well in the logistics of getting it done. So New York thank hustle. you for giving me the airtime just to thank them. And thanks to all the clients and vendors. We could, we're could we only as good to our clients as our supplier partners are to us. And again, working in New York, we're working with some really hardcore people that are dedicated to their craft and the event profession. Yeah. So I want to thank them for making us shine with our clients. And anyone that's listening, looking forward to servicing you. You tell Not them. a hard sell, but come on, listen to this accent. Don't you want to work with us when you're in New York? So bring it on. Hey guys, Gossip Nista here. Just wanted to pop in one last time to remind you to come back next week for part two of Stereotypes of New York. There will be so much great insight into the city that you won't want to miss it. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review the Gossip Nista podcast wherever you listen. Your support means so much to me. Lastly, you can connect with Jacqueline Bernstein at accessdmc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. 
Jacqueline, thanks so much for sharing your NYC story with us and letting us know more about your business, which sounds like so much fun. And again, it's like, seriously, you have the key to the city. But now the topic we've all been waiting for. Let's get into stereotypes of New York. Are you ready? Let, let's start talking about it. Awesome. Okay. I'm so excited about this. I feel like there needs to be a drum roll, but let's just dive right into it. The first stereotype question is, New Yorkers are mean. Thoughts on that? Oh my God. Absolutely not. Okay. Why? I feel what people think when they say mean is that they might be hurried. They might be loud. They might be brusque, like they're quick. Like if you ask them a question, but I don't think we are mean spirited people at all. I think that because we live so physically close to each other, we ride the subway smushed up against each other. We live in our apartments or our offices and we look out and we could see other people living in their apartments and offices that it makes them like a hardened. Okay. That's what happened. Got it. We're not mean. On to the second stereotype and question, which is. New Yorkers can't stand tourists. Is there any truth to that? So I think what happens is New Yorkers that the ones that are walking very quickly and you stop to ask them for the directions are quote unquote sometimes annoyed by it because they're trying to move somewhere and the tourists sometimes are stopped right in the middle of the street and they stand there and look up and gawk. So maybe they need to step to the side. I've even said, all right, step to the side. You know, you want to look at that building. We just got to move here like in a friendly way. But I, I think New Yorkers as people should be thankful that they live in a city that everyone wants to come visit. That's what's exciting. Are they coming to visit your little city in the middle of nowhere? No. But I think that um, there are some people that probably just don't like tourists. I just get a kick out of them. And also it's in my profession, but I get a kick out of them. I, that's what I would tell all New Yorkers. Do. Okay. Got it. Got it. Everyone like don't block the streets, stand out the way. Now, you mentioned something in this comment related to stereotype number three, which stereotype number three is New Yorkers walk fast and are always in a hurry. We walk fast. I don't necessarily think we're always in a hurry, but we're very brusque. That's what we do. And the, the thing that makes me, that resonates with me about this, this particular comment, is that when I travel elsewhere to another metropolitan city and I'm crossing the street, mm -hmm. New Yorkers stand in the gutter almost just up to the point where the car, God forbid, might hit them. Whereas I notice when people in other cities, everyone just stands on the sidewalk waiting for, not only waiting for the cars to pass, they're standing there where no cars are coming, waiting for the light to turn green. Us New Yorkers, we just walk. We walk within out of them. We tend to walk fast. And I'm, uh -huh. again, walking around in my heels, I tend to walk fast. But I think that's just the way New Yorkers are. We're just always on the move as opposed to being in a hurry. How about let's put it towards that? Why wait standing here when I can get across the street quicker? Wow. Passionate walkers. I love it. Loved what you just shared in regards to jaywalking and other states and cities being a little slower. Definitely agree. And in New York, I mean, it's like jaywalk central. You, you can't get a ticket from jaywalking, can you? I mean, I've jaywalked. I've jaywalked in front of a cop car. <laughs> no way. Really? 
Yes. And I've kind of given him, well, that's a big thing that I do. I'm a big person that when the light's just about to turn, I'm like running across the street and I give usually like the love sign, you know, raise my hand. So I've done that to a lot of cops as well. It's kind of a little tongue in cheek. I think it's getting hot in here. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We are not condoning jaywalking here, guys. Um, It's just something that occurs in New York. The streets are so much smaller and narrow. So it's possible unless it's one of the big, long, major streets. But anyhow, not condoning it. Thanks for sharing that, Jacqueline. You're giving us so much good stuff. Next question, stereotype number four is New York is a concrete jungle. Well, I I actually think that's a great phrase. I mean, the buildings, the skyscrapers, you don't find this anywhere else in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, maybe now with their building in Dubai, there's a little more concrete there. And the jungle, I think there's two meanings to that. One is, you know, a jungle is a crazy place. There's a lot of wild things going. There's a lot of different inhabitants that live in a jungle, right? You know, from the smallest insect, you know, to the biggest animals. And I think literally and figuratively, that's what we have here in New York. Yeah. And we do have trees here. We do have, you know, wildlife here. Um, um, you know, you can go to the parks, you get to see that. So I, I think that we should embrace that concept here. Yes, definitely agree on embracing that term for New York. Now, stereotype number five, Jacqueline, is New York is dirty and grimy. What's your thought on that? New York is an old metropolitan port city that is going to have that in there. Got it. Um, There are parts of it that are dirty. You do see that there are a lot of buildings that they have whitewashed them down. They did that with the New York Public Library years ago. So it got that gray dinginess. I mean, there's exhaust, there's people, there's people smoking, there's cars, et cetera. And then when you get to clean that, it cleans itself up. Um, You know, there are times, certain periods in the past couple of years that might've been dirtier than others. I think all cities, and I give a lot of credit to also, again, Michael Bloomberg about um, are looking to be much more sustainable and recycling. And yeah. you see a lot of different types of garbage receptacles where you can throw lots of different things away in different places, but you're going to still find people that are just going to litter, which is unfortunate. Um, I think I would, besides dirty and grimy, I would use kind of gritty. Like um, there's something um, mysterious and dark and exciting about it. For sure. But it's a it's a major city. You know, if you go into the park, the park is clean, just like you might go into a suburban area where it's very clean. Um, but I think we as New Yorkers over the many years, like we were talking before about like, let's say the 70s and 80s, people tend to want to take care of their neighborhood um, and clean it up and brighten it up. And so real things tend to get a little dirty and then, you know, you clean it up and start the day again. Well said. And while we're on this subject, what's up with the trash piles all over New York City? (laughs) Would you know? I don't have the answer to that because Mm -hmm. although I do have a cousin that works for sanitation, Mm -hmm. I do not have the answer on how that's done. And let's think about it. We are, when I say a small city, the island of Manhattan, but also the boroughs, it's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that physically live here. There's a lot of commerce here. There's a lot of just business. There's a lot of stuff going on. How to schedule the pickup days and people put their garbage out on the street, I just don't know. And now they've added, well, over the many years, where there's recyclables. So you have, you know, the blue and the clear plastic bags, recyclables, the black for the garbage. So I give credit to the people in the buildings, commercial and residential, they have to sort all that and put that out. And then credit to the, the garbage man, the sanitation workers have to pick that up. Of course. And yes, as a New Yorker, we sometimes have to walk past them um, and have to see that. And I made a joke before, which is true. We might dine at a restaurant that 
10 feet to the right or the left, there's the garbage that's been put out and you're sitting outside and so excited to be outside because we're New Yorkers and we're just excited to be outside. That's kind of our purview of the world. And there might be garbage there. And I don't, I haven't really felt that when you see the garbage on the streets, it smells a lot. I think you might be at a dumpster kind of like when they're, I don't know, evacuating a building or something, demolishing a building that is. Agreed. But I, I don't necessarily feel that I'm walking down streets and I smell garbage so much. Maybe in the summer when it gets really, really hot. But a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, when it gets in the summer, it's really, really hot and they might have a little scent too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. That is a fact. During the summer is the worst time. You will literally be drenched in your own sweat. You will be a hot mess. So there, (laughs) there might be odors there. Yes, for sure. I completely agree with everything you said regarding the trash. I appreciate you giving us some insight, even though we don't 100% know that one. Anyhow, stereotype number six is that there's rats, roaches, and bedbugs everywhere in New York City. Okay, so let me, okay, rats. Yes, there are rats, and the saying goes um, that there are more rats in the city than there are people, and there's about 9 million people here. So that's interesting. Yep. You have not seen a rat yet? Yes, of course I have. Definitely have. Okay. So rats, I mean, they're they're creepy because to me they look like slick, like slippery. And oh like my gosh! They, they startle you like any small little rodent. Even if you're out in the field and a cute little field mice runs by, would startle you. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that garbage on the street. There is something to be said that sometimes you might need to walk a little farther away because a rat might run out. Um, I again, as a New Yorker, that's thinking part of me again. What the fuck? You're living in New York City. Yeah. They're going to be here. You're just going to deal with it. Um, if it runs out, I usually get a kick about kick of it. I mean, thank God I've never had one like touch me. Okay. Um, I, I am one of those kind of little bit psycho New Yorkers that when I am at the subway downtown, like underneath, I love looking into the tracks to see the rats. I kind of have like some weird fascination with them. Me I'm too. glad that they're down there. So uh, rats are part of the city. I know that they're in other big cities as well. It is credulous to me that we have as many rats as people. Right. Now, let me just tell you about the bed bugs. I mean, thank God you hear about it. I don't sit anymore on subway platforms, the wood platforms, not the platforms, the um, the seats on the platforms, because I've heard that supposedly bed bugs reside in the wood there and a lot of homeless people sit there in the bed, bu- et cetera. Wow. Okay. So not the actual subway seats inside the subway, but those wood seats, the dark ones that are in the middle of the subway platform as you wait for them, those. I totally yeah. see what you're talking about, that those are the ones that may be filled with bed bugs. Okay. Stay away from those. I guess so. That's what I've been told. Look at look at me, a good a big New Yorker. You think that I Google this because I think everything lives on the internet. The answer is right. You're listening to me on the internet, so I must be right, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I've heard about people that have had problems with bed bugs. I've actually never seen them, but I know you can get them in the finest hotels anywhere else. So um, yeah, there, I you know I hear about people that you know take things off the street. Oh, no. Like oh, this looks like a fun piece of furniture, and I I I know people that I'm very close to that take things off the street. I think they're absolutely crazy. Wow. But I think that's a great way if you want to get bed bugs in your house, you know, keep on doing that. So be careful about those kind of things. Most definitely. Yeah. So your last one about roaches. So I think. Roaches are probably one of the most grossest beings on this earth. And the interesting part is that they are going to outlive all of us. Agreed. Um, roaches are just, they're very scary because when you turn on the light, they just go, they go running dispersed everywhere. And it's, 
it's a scary thing to see. What's really gross and disgusting is when you see those large flying ones, uh, those water bugs. Uh, well, not the, I guess the palmettos fly, but the water bugs. And sometimes you could be walking down the street and you don't see a rat or anything, but you see, you know, a bug that's about two and a half, three inches long, Ew. those water bug roaches. And they're just, they amaze me. So as a New Yorker, I got to be honest with you, I think I'm more scared about that than walking down a street in a neighborhood that I've not been in before. Definitely. Um, I think I can hold my own, but those things just really freak me out. And they, a lot of times they live in walls of apartment buildings. So you really want to be careful um, when you, even if you're moving into like a gentrified building and um, if your building is offering exterminating services and it's free, take it, preventive, but roaches are just a pretty gross thing. And I just don't know why they congregate in our city so much. It must be the good food. Wow. That was a New York reality check, a disturbing topic by far. Okay. So um, just want to emphasize, guys, this is not like overwhelmingly New York. It doesn't happen like left and right where you're going to see the roaches, mices, and bed bugs everywhere. There's there's stories. Things happen. It's a condensed city. It's it's overpopulated, but we're doing it and you can do it too. So I do want to give a quick tip regarding the bed bugs. There is a New York law that requires apartment buildings to disclose any infestation within the last year but you have to ask okay so just ask questions ask questions anywhere and everywhere you go that's the best way to really you know not be surprised in New York anyhow stereotype number seven is everyone works non-stop in New York and it's super competitive so I don't think Everyone Works Nonstop is indigenous to New York City. I think it's the society and the times that we live in. Okay. However, I do think that we tend to be later night workers. Um, that I know that people, let's say on the West Coast, they'll start their hours at, let's say, seven in the morning, but maybe because they also want to keep up with East Coast time. Because as a New Yorker, I think the world revolves around East Coast time. Mm-hmm. And so they get up early, but maybe just because they're out in California and they lead a simpler life and they want to get out to the ocean. And I'm sort of now making fun of the people out in, in the West Coast, aren't I? Mm-hmm. I'm being, you know, they want their little woo woo out there and, oh, let's go meditate and let's go look at the palm trees swaying in the breeze. So they want to get out of work earlier. So I I think our hours in New York tend to go longer because I think as New Yorkers, we're also, we go straight from work. We don't go home and get dressed up again. We've already planned our outfit in the morning for the rest of the day. And if we're not that dressed up and we get invited to go do something after work and you need to be a little more dressed up, pardon me, fuck it. We're New Yorkers. We could just keep walking on in there no matter what we're wearing and we can go out and continue the night on. So I think that's the part of that we work so much because it just kind of blends, at least also in my profession. Definitely. There's a lot of, let's go out for work for drinks. And there is no such thing as, as far as I'm concerned, happy hours, wherever I am, I'm happy. Whatever time it is, it's happy hour. But it's not just at a certain hour on a certain day of the week. For New Yorkers, sometimes going out Sunday nights and Monday nights is cooler than those that are not New Yorkers. And they think Friday and Saturday is a bigger night to go out to my friends that like live in the suburbs, let's say. Um, but so I think that we 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 tend to have that look that we work longer. But I also believe that everyone wants to get up earlier, maybe to the stock market is located here. Everyone's just, the business environment here is just very fast paced, which makes us, I think, work a longer 
workload. And because we're so fast paced, Mm -hmm. we just need to get it all in in a day. And we just, the days just become longer and they go right into going out afterwards. As far as competitive, yeah, I think, I think we might be more competitive in business in our city than maybe they are in somewhere else in the country that's more competitive. Not to say we're not sports competitive, but just that's a way of life. Okay, that was a lot. So I think what we've got out of it is so there there is competitiveness in New York and late hours just because of the lifestyle. So we'll go with that. Yeah, I think it's just our mantra, East Coast people and therefore the New Yorkers are just much more competitive, much more hyped up, much more fast paced as we've been discussing earlier. So I think it's just a different mentality. I feel very far from home when I, let's say I'm on the West Coast. Yeah. I don't think people move as fast. I think they're Ah, if it happens, it doesn't happen. We're like always on the go. We're go-getters. We want it all. We we walk everywhere to get it. We'll get on that subway and travel from borough to borough. You know, we'll work hard in order to, you know, get the new pair of shoes, whatever it may be. Uh, we want to be able to get into that restaurant. And maybe that's where the competitive comes in. What have you done lately? Not so much just in work, but everyone wants to you know, top each other all the time. Yeah, I can see how that is innately New Yorkers. That actually brings up another stereotype that you can't get into certain restaurants in New York. Is that something that even happens? Well, there are reservations. Um, and it's interesting how you might call a restaurant now and they might say we're not taking reservations for the next 21 days. So I always find that interesting. Again, in my profession, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on wood, which is my head. That's a typical Jewish girl in me. Did I mention I was Jewish? Did you hear that in my accent? Do you know from the last name Bernstein? That's a whole nother thing. That's like a nationality here. Well, it's a nationality anywhere, but especially in New York, being a, a Jew from Brooklyn is just another whole stereotype, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing this. So I'm not being, um, I'm not being, uh, I don't know, prejudiced or speaking ill about people, but it's sort of a mantra of who I am. But um, when I hear in my profession, when I hear that people can't get in somewhere, I'm constantly using my connections to be able to get in somewhere. I um, love that. But there are some places that Rayo's, if anyone's listening about Rayo's, that truly is the most coveted, um, uh, reservation that's just hard to get into. Small table, Italian restaurant up in Spanish Harlem. Um, but it's 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 interesting. And I think that might be part of the New York shtick that let's make it very hard to get into our restaurants. Everyone wants to come here. But I think that's just how people, that's the competitiveness of people anywhere. If you can't get in somewhere, then you want to go there, right? Yes, I would say so. So um, I think there's always a workaround with anything. Someone just this weekend wanted to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to spend the money on the tickets prior, ordering it, you know, full price. Okay. They're constantly asking me for less expensive tickets. And I explained to them how I can get access if you can't get tickets. If they're sold out or you want a really much better seat, I can get it. But it's not always about nice. getting something, part of me, cheap. But suggested to go to the TKTS line in Times Square, see what shows are up for. They used to call it the twofers, but discounted tickets, a day of tickets of the wow, show. Wow, good to know. I said, but if you can't get tickets there, go to the box office and guess what they got? House tickets, you know, almost 10 rows, center tickets at the regular price. What? Because the day of, they're going to release those tickets. So I think if you're a New Yorker or visiting New York or whatever it may be, and you have the time, you don't need to buy your ticket three weeks or months or days in advance. You can Amazing. get to the theater at six o'clock and the show's at 8 p.m. And you can wait till then and get your ticket. And that's a typical New Yorker. What, what do you want to do tonight? Let's just go to the theater and see what tickets are available. You can get house seats right there and then. Jacqueline, my mouth has dropped. Wow. <laughs> All the tips you just gave us. You seriously are the person to know the it person in New York. You know everything. <laughs> You're honored. 
of course, a couple things to note, guys. She mentioned the hottest restaurant right now in New York, Rayo's, which is in East Harlem, also known as Spanish Harlem. And then there's the TKTS booth on Times Square in Times Square. That is somewhere you can go to get day of tickets so you don't have to book in advance. So much amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. On to stereotype number eight, which is New York is not a good place to raise a family. Well, obviously, I was raised here and look how well adjusted I came out. (laughs) (laughs) There are people in the background here in my office that just were laughing about that. So I think it is a fabulous place place to raise a family. But I do recognize from having friends and family from all over the country and that grew up much differently than me that it's just different. It's just very, very different. Of course. So I find that growing up in New York City, you're exposed at a very young age to a lot of diversity. I personally think that that is a great thing for a child. Mm-hmm. I think that kids become, they, they grow up quicker. I think, again, there might be some that don't want their kids to grow up so quick. I don't want my kids to um, see certain things or have to walk through the streets of the city to get to school when they're a certain age by themselves. You know, I, I like the sanctity of the school bus which we do have school buses in New York City, or me driving them is different, or they have a big field right outside the back of the school. My school, my high school did, all my schools did. There were fields, fields are really, they were concrete field. They weren't necessarily grass fields. Some of them are. But it was just a very different way of growing up. For sure. When I was um, 11 years old, we moved from one neighborhood to the next, and I needed to take a subway and a bus to the last three months of sixth grade to go to my elementary school. And my mother took me on the subway and bus and show me how to get there. And for the next three months, three and a half months, I rode the subway and bus by myself at 11 years old to go to sixth grade. Wow, that is a big undertaking for someone that's so young, but I can see that as a formative experience for most New Yorkers. Yeah, and I think that that made me a little more worldly. For sure. I think that kids also probably are picking up other languages quicker, which I think is really important to be able to speak more than one language. Mm-hmm. Um So I think when you raise a family here, all those things that you're adjusted to, you also get positives that you don't necessarily get being, let's say, in a suburban area, just a city elsewhere. If you, if you can make it work and financially deal with it, you know, just grow up in the city. I, I did. And I, I, I'm proud of it, actually. You've given such amazing perspective to this stereotype. You have blown it out the water. It's great for people to know all these facts regarding your upbringing so that they're able to make their own decisions regarding raising a family here in New York. I wish I would have been raised and born in New York, but we'll just say I had a pretty cultural experience myself. Now on to stereotype number nine, which is rent is insanely expensive in New York and so is everything else. Yeah, I I, I can't deny that one. Wow. Sorry. Okay. I don't want to say it's a stereotype. I actually think that's that's fair. I think um living in New York City is is uh it's um something I say survival, that sounds so fatalist, but but it is um it's it's not easy living here. Right. Um and Rent does, I mean, granted, there are rent controls here that are in place, but mm-hmm. there are people that'll say, especially when people are visiting, um, well, how much would that apartment cost there? It might be a million dollars, you know, to buy an apartment. That's why, you know, maybe 800 square feet. And they're thinking, oh my God, you can buy so much a house with all these, this square footage. Yes, but you're not necessarily living in Manhattan. Agreed. So there's the trade-off there. Rent's a big thing here. You know, once you pay for your rent, where do you have 
money to do other things. That's why you just walk the streets and look at people. That's your entertainment. But things tend to be more expensive here than anywhere else. So so yeah, it's, it's a proven fact. So we just learn how to deal with that. That's definitely right. It's not inexpensive living in New York. So, you know, if you're going to be here, you're going to have to deal with that. That brings us to our last and final question. But be sure to stick around for a little fun surprise game I have for Jacqueline after this regarding New York. Stereotype number 10, apartments in New York are tiny. I think what happens is in New York, you'll find that apartments are very small, but then you can like go into that one apartment that's small and has like some random weird kitchen. I must say New York does have some of the most unique layouts I've seen for apartments. Yeah. You, you, you get these crazy finds here in New York. You know, I think all of us might say in their apartments, I just wish I had one more room to put all my stuff in. Right. So I think... Um, Yes, traditionally, because there's just so much of us here and the space is so crowded. You could be walking down the street and look up an apartment building and saying someone's living there. And yeah, it must be in a small apartment. But again, they're having they're paying for the real estate of being right there in the middle of New York City. Enough said. Completely understand Manhattan real estate is not cheap. So you're going to get things a lot smaller and you're going to be paying a lot more just for the location. So My last question, which is not a stereotype, it could be, I'm not sure, but I've heard this a lot and I just want to get clarification from a native New Yorker. And the expression is, you can never truly be considered a New Yorker unless you were born in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's funny is, and I did allude to that earlier, that my business partner thinks that he's more of a New Yorker because he decided to move here and make his life here. Right. And I have, and I always laugh saying, well, I, I'm definitely a New Yorker. I mean, are you listening to me? Are you looking at me? Do you hear how I talk? Do you hear how I interact? I mean, as I'm saying this to you right now, I know this is a podcast, not a webcast. My hand's moving around because that's how we talk as New Yorkers. So um, I don't, I, I find that hard to believe that anyone will ever tell a New Yorker. Mm-hmm that they're not necessarily a New Yorker. On the flip side, I do believe that there are people that have moved here and have really embraced it and that have become a New Yorker. They, they believe it. I think maybe they were like that wherever they lived beforehand and they just knew that they needed to be living in New York yes. as part of who they are. Maybe they lived in another major city, but they felt mm-hmm. New York had their calling or Again, I keep referring to my business partner. He was you know, from farm town and he just knew that he had to be in a big city. Wow. I think that's all I needed to hear throughout this whole podcast. Jacqueline, I'm (laughs) kidding, of course. But I think that's reassuring to a lot of people that aspire to be in New York, who love New York. That coming from a native New Yorker, you can become a New Yorker at some point while living here. Yes. And and I did look up that John Updike um, quote, and he said he defined the true New Yorker as someone who came... um, with a secret belief that people living elsewhere had to be in some sense kidding. (laughs) That's a great New Yorker quote to sum all this up. I appreciate you and everything you've shared. You truly are a New Yorker inside and out, Jacqueline. I feel like there's no better person I could have interviewed for this. You have shed so much light on the city and what it's like to be a New Yorker. I'm so excited for a lot of people to get to listen to our conversation. Thank you so much. But before we go, let's quickly end this episode on a fun new game. I'm calling a New York Minute. Okay. So what I'm going to do is essentially ask you a couple of questions about New York and just say whatever pops into your mind first. And you need to do this within 60 seconds. 
Are you ready? Are you ready? Starting the timer now. First question, favorite New York food? Oh my God. <laughs> Chopped liver. <laughs> really? Okay. Favorite neighborhood in New York? Neighborhood in New York? Yes. Uh, um, um, oh my God, Jacqueline, whatever comes to mind works. No. I'm so sorry. Because you know what's flashing through my mind? Where I grew up or no, Flatiron, Chelsea, where I live, Nomad. Perfect. Okay. Favorite season in the city? Spring. Favorite tourist destination? I don't know. Probably Midtown, Fifth Avenue, Rockefeller Center. I like all the people and the excitement there. Favorite non-tourist destination? Oh, out in Brooklyn where I'm from. Awesome. And maybe even like Brighton Beach, Coney Island. Even though tourists go there, I think that is real Brooklyn. Real (laughs) Okay. Favorite New York subway line? Oh, uh, the uh, BDF. One word to describe New York. Invigorating, fabulous, and exciting. Sorry, I'm a New Yorker. I took advantage and said more. (laughs) That's okay. It's not staying under a minute. Next question. A tip for making it in New York? Um, Be open to anything. That means your eyes and your ears and talk to everybody. Oh my gosh, Jacqueline, you almost did it in a New York minute. It was a minute and five seconds. Kudos to you. You got it. Even though there was a couple stumbles there. (laughs) I can't tell you how much fun this was. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this whole interview. And seriously, as I mentioned before, you are the it person to know. You have the key to the city. You have been amazing. Thank you. (laughs) I am so humbled by that. I'm so happy to hear that. I feel really honored. I mean, I don't have to prepare for this. This is what I talk about daily. This is people that are hearing me in the background here are just rolling their eyes because I hear this all the time. All right. We know you love New York. Okay. We got it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Gossip Mista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode. Follow along on Instagram at Gossamista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at Gossamista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at Gossamista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossamista.